You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today, I have a special treat for you. I have Alan Sultanik. He is the creator of a very popular Facebook group called Nothing Held Back, amongst a million other projects, which Alan is going to talk to us about in a little. But Alan has been a, a direct response marketer for, you know, over, I guess, Alan, what, 15 years, I would say, at least? 20. 20 years. Okay, so 20 years. But Alan, can you just tell us a quick um, kind of little intro about yourself and, and what you do? Oh man. Um, yeah. So I do a little bit of everything. Like my, my core, um, skill set is basically, um, conversion, right? Conversion. It's like taking traffic and converting it into sales, generating sales. Um, and then along with that, everything else revolves around that, right? Because unless you have a conversion, you don't really have a business. And so that's, that's my superpower. It's like conversion, converting like in pretty much any market. Um, so I do a lot of, uh, psychology stuff underneath like the surface and so if you think about it like you know most people focus on copywriting which is like a cornerstone of um direct response right everybody has to learn how to write copyright but but the thing is it's like words represent something right words are like symbolic meaning so if you really want to get good you have to learn how to think in symbolism and read in symbolism right because symbols represent ideas right and so Um, they carry a lot of energy, right? And so if you look at a word and then if you look at letters, each, each letter is just like a shape, right? Which is a symbol. So what does that represent underneath the surface in the mind? So when you focus on that, then the words become a lot easier to move people from point A to point B, et cetera. So that's that's my magic right there. Okay. Well, I mean, um, obviously anybody who's in the nothing held back group knows the value that you bring and all your experience and so forth. And we'll put a link down below for you guys to check it out. Um, now you're talking about words and you're talking about obviously direct response, copywriting and so forth. There's a very hot button issue that we can't ignore, which is AI. And I've seen (laughs) obviously in, in your group and amongst other groups and everybody, there's people who are embracing it. There are people who are scared shitless, pardon my English, of like this tool yes. coming on. Um, you know, and there's there's also, um, you know, just a wide array of opinions on how this is going to work or not work. I mean, we've mm. seen so many new technologies lately, like NFTs and, and uh, you know, DeFi and all this stuff. And, you know, some, some predictions are coming true. And obviously, there's going to be more. But what do you think about AI? Um, this is a very large topic, but do you think it's going to take over copywriters? Should people be afraid of it? What What's the 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 411 on that? No, I don't think so. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of these changes over the last 20 years, you know, and um, every time something emerges, you know, we all get a little bit spooked. I mean, I remember back in like when uh, BSL first came out, right? <laughs> we were like, oh, like... You know, writing long form sales letters and, you know, you, you know, you can put a, you know, nice, take a nice picture and you're on it and it's good. Right. And we're like, shit, we got to get on video now, you know, and like, you know, internet marketers were introverts, you know, so it's like shy to get on video, you know, so we were like, fuck, it's got to get on video, you know, it's like, and then a lot of people, you know, so a lot of people didn't want to get on video and we were thought it was the end of the world. Right. And then it's like, next thing you know, it's like, I wrote some of the, you know, best VSLs in history right after that. And it's like, you know, PowerPoint presentation. That's okay. So one of the things I thought a lot about the AI, right. And uh, it's really a good question. And so I think it's just a tool that enables people to speed things up. But the thing is, it's like speed what up, right? Like, what is it going to speed up? And so when I think about it, 
you know, the same people that are really embracing it are same people that are like, you know, crypto, you know, NFTs and that type of thing, right? Like, you know, the hype, it's something, there's a lot of novelty about it. So it's a tool. Uh, but the thing is, it's like everything always remains the same, um, but the form changes, right? The form changes. And so it's like, I don't really look at, uh, I don't really pay attention to what, because, you know, the core, because the core remains the same. I pay attention to how the form changes, right? And so a second ago, I said like, you know, well, words are just a representation of uh, other things, mostly experience, right? Okay. So, so we're trying to, when, you know, humans are very inefficient in terms of communication, right? <laughs> so, so this is why, like, you know, if I say something, you'll take it a different way, et cetera. It's, it's a non, uh, language isn't very precise, right? Math is precise, but language really isn't, right? There's a lot of meaning behind it. And so while AI is good, um, it can't move emotions yet, right? Maybe in some years to come, but it's like, it can't move. Like, so I saw a lot of the emotions, you know, core emotions, moving people from A to B internally. And then what AI does, is like, it's a lot of content, but it's not experience, right? And so people buy for experience, right? So anything you buy, you know, when you know why, uh, why people buy, it's really easy to sell to them, right? Yeah. So that that's one of the things about being like, you know, a phenomenal marketer is like knowing why people buy, right? And if you really think about why people buy, and this is like something I teach, you know, it's funny, I still have yet to write a post about this, but I thought a lot about, you know, the mastermind I run and like the other programs or whatnot, but um, people buy on outcomes, right? People buy from outcomes, right? And so you have two types of value, right? In the world. So one value is like consumable value, which is like something I consume, right? And so AI right now produces a lot of consumable value, meaning like this is just junk food, right? For the brain, if you think about it, right? It just kind of spits out stuff, right? Based on what it does. But it doesn't, it doesn't produce any um, transformative, transformative value, right? So much of the world, well, everything you buy is to transform, to go from A to B, right? So for example, like if I buy, you know, the reason everybody, the whole world has this thing right here, which is the iPhone, is because it can do a lot. It can transform moments into memories. It can transform thoughts into notes. It can transform communication. It can, you know, all these things, right? We can do a lot. Yeah. Uh, we can access banks. It's transformative value, right? And so people don't really think deeply about these things. Um, and when it comes to selling, so like a lot of the stuff I do when it comes to sales, like all I do is sell to outcomes. And then basically like, you know, there's a process and sequence about this. I'm actually writing a post about this for the group, but it's like, there's a sequence of it. So you go, you know, you have features and benefits. So most copywriters in our industry are like, you know, features, and features, right? Features and benefits. And so it's like, it's cool, but it's like very, it's like people don't buy for feature, features of benefits, right? An example. So, you know, iPhone is king of the, king of the hill, right? And, uh, no offense to Android users, but Samsung is <laughs> Samsung is trying to catch up for a long time, right? So, like for example, like you know, if you see Samsung um, ads, you know, it'll be like you know, 700 megapixel camera, you know, this, 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 all these facts nobody cares about. An iPhone is just like, here's a beautiful picture. This is what it looks like, right? That's it, and that's the transformative value. This is what you'll get, right? That's the outcome. So people buy for the outcomes. People know that. So, so I, AI can't really do that. Um, and neither, it doesn't know how to in, um, inject transformative value, nor it knows how to move emotions or outcomes or any of this stuff. Now I will say though, that I think like a lot of copywriters that don't know any of this stuff are in trouble, but, but those that do are, are, are going to be fine. Right. Because it can't create experience, right? People buy experience. Right. And so for example, the formula for a brand is like uh, when uh, experience exceeds expectation, then uh, trust is built and brand is built, right? Okay. So so whenever I do something, build anything, it's like, how can this, what's the expectation here? And then what's the experience that I'm creating? So when experience exceeds expectation, brand is, brand, uh, brand is built, right? So trust is built, right? And so then it's like, it can't do that. So it can't, it can't do that yet. 
yet. So I think we're years away from it. Years away. Okay. But I mean, uh, there is a sense of, at least in my perspective, uh, and just people that I talk to and so forth, that it can replace your basic content writer. It can do SEO better. Um, you know, obviously you try Google might start detecting these things and there could be, you know, some, some repercussions there. Um, but would you say like, at least in your group and just, you, you know, a lot of copywriters, you know, a lot of marketers, I mean, would you say this is, we're not going to hold you to this in five years, but would you say it's going to replace 50% <laughs> of the copywriters out there? It depends how good they are. I, I think like, again, it goes like, there's a large, um, <clears throat> you know, it's like, I had a discussion with somebody this morning in, in our, in the mastermind. Right. And like, so like what I do is I teach a lot of the stuff that I just talked about, but like, you know, hundred levels deeper and uh, we're doing these integration calls. Right. And then, yeah. so the person asked me like, well, are you doing this? So every like three, four months, like I, we recap everything into like, let's, you know, cause it's easy to learn hard to master. Right. Yeah. And uh, I said to him, I'm like, you know, it's interesting. Like 95 people in this industry, excuse me, 95% of people in this industry, they want the outcome. Right. They just want the outcome. I just want this. I want money. I want results. I want this, right? They don't care how the outcome is made, right? Yes. The 5% of the people want to know how the outcome is generated, right? And so the difference is basically, it's like, do you want the outcome or do you want the ability to generate outcomes? Now, the 5% of the people that know how to generate outcomes make all the money, right? And so with that in mind, it's like the copywriters that want the outcome. I just want it easy. I want it easy. You know, that thing is like, don't wish it was easier. Wish you were better. <laughs> So I think those guys will be and girls will be affected a lot um, yeah. because AI can't move people. It can't understand people. It can't, it can understand context, but not the syntax, meaning like it can't understand the structure of the human brain and how, how to move stuff in there. Right. Yet. And what's happening is um, <clears throat> it's no different than like, for example, like, you know, like right now, um, you know, like you go on YouTube and it's like, uh, millions and millions of hours of content are being created every day right and it's like so much it's like you can't really uh you can't really consume it right there's not enough time in the day right so there's a great book um i recommend some it might be my other office but it's called um time wars and and the premise goes that like in history right um in history the main conflict in history has been time wars right it's like you know the the conflict between rich and the poor it's like well why, why are the rich rich why are the poor poor it's because the rich uh, can leverage the time of the poor, right? And so then they can grow and leisure and leverage more, right? And so, it, you know, that book is a really great blueprint for the current AI thing. So while it can produce quantity of content, people want quality of content, right? And so right now we're in this, and you can tell there's these transition periods that take place. And so right now there's a transition period in the world where you have, you got, you got the long form content, like, you know, like this podcast, and I'm sure what you'll do is you'll take it and, you know, break it into a billion pieces, whatever, right? So people consume it. Well, the only reason people want the shorts isn't because people want the shorts, it's they don't have time to consume everything. So they want to consume it, which is driven by novelty, right? And so then what ends up happening is just ends up being like a, people start to tune it out right so that that's kind of what's going to happen right it's just it's just gonna be a production for more yeah uh, but more of what so the competitive advantage in the world is not one of content it's time right it's time so if you look at for example like joe rogan like what he does is like you know he's got three hours he's got you three hours there and then he'll clip a bunch of clips and then he'll get you like 25 minutes over here you know 
Yeah. Well, I mean, the interesting thing, and I, I, I mean, you know, to close the loop on the whole AI thing for me, at least is, you know, there are always disruptions that, you know, change things and make things different and so forth, but we've always adapted. Like for me, one thing is like, I have some friends, let's say, for example, that they're real estate agents, you know, and the real estate agents were disrupted. I don't know, five, 10 years. I can't, I can't remember where, you know, there was those like sell sold by owner kind of sites and everybody's like, Oh, real estate, the real estate, um, you know, uh, industry is done because everybody's just going to sell themselves. They don't going to need real estate agents and so forth. And maybe there was a blip for a year or two, I think where people did try, but I do have to say that selling a home on your own, like I haven't tried it, but like, I, you know, it's a disaster and people realize that done for you is better than done with you. You just want somebody to, you know, do that. So the same thing, I think with, offer writing, copywriting and so forth is like, you want somebody to do it and have results. So regardless, yeah. I think maybe copywriters or people who are writing could actually use these tools to get generate some ideas and, and kind of like make themselves more productive. But talking about human resources and where this is going, I have a very interesting question for you. I'm curious now your thoughts on, you know, you, you've had, uh, you know, you've launched a lot of offers and you work with a lot of people. So there must be a team behind you. How do you build this team and how do you get people to be on your mission in order to, to kind of achieve the success that you've achieved? Um, so I learned this the hard way. Cause I, I was like probably one of the worst people in the world at hiring. Cause I got really good at like, uh, marketing and sales. So, you know, when you develop that muscle, every other muscle kind of just isn't there. Cause you know, you can, you can cover up a lot of, uh, weaknesses when you can generate money, right. Because you spend more money, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, I found over time, it's like, you have to find people who are uh, growth oriented and passionate, right. And believe in the same mission. And then, um, so I have this philosophy, um, that I, it, it served me very well, but basically it's like, um, you know, if you, if you work with certain people in a sense, they help you, um, achieve your dreams. Right. And so like my whole thing is like, when I work with people, like I find what their uh, dreams are and then I do everything in my power to uh, help them achieve their dreams. And so typically what I'll do is, um, um, I'll pay more about 30 to 50% more, more than, than what I, so, you know, what they agree to. So for example, if you start them at something, then you increase it a month in whatever, but I pay attention to the biggest thing I pay attention to honestly is, um, passion. Right. And I got this from my buddy, Jay. Um, I, I you know, I watched him hire some people. And I was like, how'd you build a, such a great team? And he's like, um, he's like, you know, I just hire for people that are passionate. I'm like, what's that mean? He's like, they spend their own money learning. Right. They spend their money and learning because it's, nice. it's all, all about trade-offs. Right. So in a world yeah. where it's like, you know, you have infinite, you know, possibility entertainment and such, such as like, you know, you can, you know, consume content, play video games, be on Facebook, be on TikTok, you know, whatever. Right. You can do inf infinite. You have infinite options. Right. And then in, in that world where somebody goes and spends time to learn and grow, you can tell they really are about that. Right. So I look for those people. Very hard to find, though. So when you find those people, they're like self-growth oriented and passionate, but, and they spend their money on it, right? They spend their money. And then what I do in my company is I have a, we have a budget, right? We have a budget for education. So anything they want, we buy for them. So like any type of course, um, training, whatever, they just got to come to me and say, Hey, I want to buy this. And it's like, it's the request is never rejected. So we just we spend a lot of money on education training because what happens is that, you know, um, in an ecosystem where there's a lot of information that takes exchanges right such as the internet like there's a lot of you know data exchange right yeah and so humans um <clears throat> tend to um you know we we move and do things when we have new data they give us certainty right this is so it's certainty and so when there's more data in the marketplace um more people will do new things which drives change right on the macro 
And so the only people that are worth having are the people that can exceed their rate of change and adaption, right? Because one, one of the biggest things, um, you know, I teach this, um, one of the biggest things I teach about offers is like, it's not so much, um, you know, most people are focused on a CRO, like CRO, 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 right? Like, you know, conversion rate, like nobody knows what that really means, right? It's basically what it means. It's like a lot of people are just like guessing, right? And the terms like, you know, well, let's try this button, you know, maybe this shade of blue is going to convert better. And oh my God, you know, and it's like the greatest thing ever, right? But really the approach to optimizing offers is to adapt offers to the marketplace, right? So yes. you don't optimize offers, you adapt offers to the marketplace. That's how it works, Right. And so very few people get this. And so an example of this would be, for example, you know, Apple, right? And so Apple had a small phone, right? It was like tiny. You need like a magnifier to, to read the damn thing. And then Android came with a big phone, right? And so pe people were like, yeah, we want big ass phones, right? This is useful. And so Apple was like, oh, you know, and then Tim Cook was like, fine, here's a 17 inch phone, whatever, right? So now I hear Tim Cook is making like a 16 inch iPad, which would be like the greatest thing ever because I, I mean, that's like been my dream machine forever. I'm like 16 inch iPad, battery life, three days. So good. So, oh, nice. <laughs> you know, you, you adapt to the market, right? But the, to the degree that you can adapt to the market is the degree that, you know, you can synthesize and uh, new knowledge and know how to implement that knowledge, right? That's why I'm like, I learned 24 seven. And so, um, so that's one. The other thing is really, um, you know, every market has a, a syntax, right? Um, as far as how people go. And so like, um, there's five aspects to a human personality, right? Which is basically like information. Uh, what is it like information, place, people, activity, and things, right? And so there's no right and right or right, right or wrong order. However, different industries will dictate which structure. So for me personally, mine is like, you know, first is information. So like you can see there's books everywhere. Like I have like hundreds of books all over the place. Like, so yesterday I read like five books, right? That's all I did. I just literally read all day. So you like listen or you read? I read, I read. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So they, they weren't that long. They were like maybe okay. like a hundred pages each or something. Right. So, right. so I read like five books. Yeah. So I read five books and uh, I try to do like two to three a week. Right. So information is very high on my, on my, in my structure. And then the second thing is like basically place, you know, where I'm at. Uh, third thing is people. And that's why I'm really good at building communities like, you know, people. Uh, fourth thing is, uh, what is it? What's that? Inf information. Let me, see. Let me try to remember the structure. So information, place, okay, activity, activity, like things I do. And the last thing is things, right? So, you know, I used to buy a lot of supercars and all these things. And it's like, I just couldn't get motivated by it. It was just like, you buy it and it just loses its appeal after like, you know, two, three months. Right. So, yeah. so when I, you know, knowing the structure of the human personality, then I go, okay, well, what people are motivated by this, right? And I know how to get them and how to test them and how to identify them and then put them into the right place. So that, and then you got that with the passion growth index, and then you have that, and then you have like a really great team. You know what I mean? So that's good. So basically you determine what their dreams are, and that gives you an indication of, you know, what kind of person, if, if somebody, if you ask somebody like, what, what's your, what's your goal? And they're like, uh, it's, it's kind of indicative that this person may be not uh, as passionate. So that's, that's interesting. That's, you know, and, and, and always, I agree, like as a business owner, it's, it's, you hire for personality more so than knowledge because the knowledge can get there. And, and, you know, obviously you need a basis of something, but personality is really what's going to determine usually somebody's success. So that's a, that's a great tip, you know, making sure that, you know, you're hiring people who are passionate and, and finding out what their passions are. So, Self-taught is the, is the self-taught is the, is the sign of passion, self-taught. But you, you, again, it goes back to like, again, like, you know, you'll have a lot of people who just want the outcome. Right. And it's yeah. like, if you, you know, it's like that, just, they don't, you know, so you'll get this very, um, uh, low level. I, I got this one thing. Um, I think I saw Elon Musk 
talk about it. So I adapted. And so basically what you do is like when you interview people, you ask them to teach you something and then you pay attention to the structure of their ability to synthesize thoughts and simplicity. And then you question it and then you watch how they push back, right? How they push back as far as like, you know, your ideas are wrong, right? So you don't want to be right all the time on a team. That's dangerous, right? And so yeah. it's like, it's like you want to come in and basically, because if you're right, then you know everything, you don't need them, right? What's the point? So if you're not, if you're, if they're right and you're wrong, then that's a good thing because therefore they know more than you. And that's what you want, right? Yeah. Higher, so smarter. The, right. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're talking about reading and you re you read five books. That's, that's awesome. Uh, I, I, I see this a lot in your group. Everybody's always asking you for a reading list. Like what's your favorite. So I'm not going to ask you for a whole list, but can you give me your top three? <laughs> what's your favorite, like three, let's call them business books or, or books about, you know, uh, mm. more kind of tactical stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. Well, so so the big thing about what I learned years ago that really has served me well is 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 knowing who to learn from, right? This is really important. So yeah. what I find is like you have um in the world you have like observational authors largely, right? And so I'm very cautious about learning from observational authors. And observational authors are people that just sit there and basically like, you know, like they'll be like academics, right? Like some guy's a professor, he's never ran a business and he's like, this is, you know, what's going to happen, right? So I could be like I, I read somewhere and again, I could be wrong. This is just memories, you know, my memory can be faulty, but it's like, like some of those books, like, you know, that they're like, you know, these are the companies or whatever. And then they studied the companies. And then five years later, like most of the companies went bankrupt. Right. And so like, you know, et cetera. And so I'm very cautious about, you know, most of the books out there um, that are, uh, I guess, well to do is the word like, like, you know, recommended like bestsellers, whatever are done by, um, observational authors, right? People that just sit there and they'll observe something and they won't know the cause of it, right? So mm -hmm. that's that's really dangerous because it's like, if you don't know the cause of something, then it's like you look at the effect, such as here's why the business works. You're basically guessing as to, because you, you're looking at what has happened. You don't know how it got there. Then you don't know how it's going to take to get there, right? So with that in mind, I like to basically focus on um, like autobiographies. And so people that have done it, right? People that have done it, biographies and autobiographies. So it's like my favorite one. You can I read this one like, you can see how it's torn up. So I read it so many times. <laughs> so every year I'll read this guy. This is my, I think, yeah, I have like somebody, uh, this guy uh, in the Nothing Have Like group actually bought me a signed version of this, which is like my prized possession. So thank you so much. Uh, um, so so basically this book right here, Felix Dennis, like, so this guy's worth like 750 million. He passed away from cancer, unfortunately. Like he built like Maxim Magazine, uh, did a lot of stuff. So like Tim, um, Ted Turner, call me Ted, is really good. Another really good book, you know, Ted Turner from, uh, you know, he did CNN and all the other yeah. stuff. And then there was this other one, uh, Duncan Bannatyne, Anyone Can Do It, uh, James Kahn. I like all the Dragon's Den biographies are really good. So those type of, you know, the Steve Jobs biography is really good. Idea Man by Paul Allen is really good. I like reading those the most because they'll give you the most insight from somebody that has done it, right? Okay. It's not somebody that's like removed. And so if you really think about you know, I actually, you know, you know, that whole thing, it's like, you know, great people, what is it like, like great people talk about ideas and like, you know, weak people talk about things and other things. So like, if you really look at like most of the world today, like, you know, YouTube content that's created, because it goes back to AI question, right? Is yeah. that most of the stuff is just talking about other people and other things, right? Just talking about there nobody, very few people are talking about ideas, right? But ideas are what generate, you know, generates the change, which changes the world. And so yeah. So I did that. But yesterday I read like a Neville Goddard's books. So like I, I'll find somebody and I'll just read their whole catalog. So like I'm, oh, wow. I'm reading. Yeah. So I'm reading his his whole catalog, Neville's books, uh, Neville Goddard. Yeah. One of the, some really good stuff.
Oh, that's awesome. So do you, are you an ebook fan? Just curious. Do you know? Always me too. I tried, I bought the e-reader and I'm like, I just hate this thing. I hate clicking. I just want a book. I want like old school pages, you know, my fingers get dirty, that, that kind of stuff. So it's just. I, I, I like seeing the progress through the book and I like touching a paper and I like how the light reflects. And I like the smell and I like watching it age and the pages. It's just a different experience. And also like you're, you know, it, it doesn't, yeah. I mean, I still have a Kindle I'll read on sometime and an iPad, but like real books are definitely, I like carrying them with me. It's just like, you know. Yeah. I For me, it it's funny. It's it's like, even if I'm really enjoying a book, I like to see my progress with anything, but I'm just like that person. So I'm reading a book. I like to know that I have a hundred pages left because that'll tell me if for some reason I'm busy or whatever, can I, can I finish this in like an hour? How long is it going to take? So it's funny. I find that's like, it's a, it's a weird character trait of mine. I'm like, but how many pages left? Even if I'm really in, thoroughly enjoying the book and it's good, I just, I, I need to know like, how long is this going to take me? So that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Now I'm going to talk, I'm, I'm going to ask you a few tactical questions because I see, again, I see, uh, I, I, I've been really reviewing your group and seeing a lot of stuff. And it seems like a lot of people come back and ask you uh, different varieties of the same question. And this is a question that I see a lot is there's, you know, you have a lot of freelancers and marketers and people who help offer owners. And you seem to really uh, kind of push these people or suggest to these people um, to start their own offer. Right. You you know, yes. that's that's obviously uh, a big premise of your group and so forth. So if somebody is a freelancer and somebody's kind of dipping their toes and thinking about it, what what's what's the best way to get started? Like what what advice would you give somebody? Uh, would you just say, you know, get started? Is everybody built to be an offer owner, in your opinion? Um, I think everybody can do it. Uh, the question is, do they want to do it? Right. So. You know, when I started, like, you know, when I started, like the idea of free, I mean, I know, you know, I, I learned a lot from Gary Halbert and those guys and like, you know, they had clients, but it's like me and, you know, my friends back in the day when we got into this game, um, there, <laughs> there wasn't an option. There was no clients to be had, right? Like, like that was just, that literally was not on, you know, there, it was like not even a, a thought, like, like, what do you mean clients? So we just had to like, if you want to make money, you know, you have to have something and sell it, right? The reason I push people to become offer owners is because it's like, it's the only thing they can, uh, you know, they give you income elasticity, right? Meaning that it's like, once you make it work, you just turn the knob of ad spend or whatever, and then you make more money, right? That's it. So it, it's the only thing that removes you from your time, right? And so, you know, when you're a freelancer, it's good, but it's like every month, every client, every project, you have to reset. And like, you know, it's like the whole world... Um, there's a lot less offer owners than freelancers right now, right? And what ends up happening when you have a supply and demand curve that the value of the freelancer goes down unless you get really, really good, right? And so it's like, you know, it's tough. Like I, th I think it's tough, right? And so it's it's like, you know, right now, I think we're living in like a golden age of marketing. Still, there's still a lot of opportunity where, you know, if you really think about how crazy it is, like um, you can create, you can think of thoughts, right? And then you can put them on, and you don't even have to think about it. Like, so in the mastermind I run, it's like, we teach the publishing model, how to go publish people. Like we have one guy, like, you know, he's doing, um, he hit me up the other day and he's at like $510,000 a month, right? Income. Uh, when he started, he had an agency and he was stuck at about 50, right? He was stuck at about 50. And uh, it took him 18 months to get to 50. It took him four months to get to 510, right? Oh, wow. And yeah. And so, um, so it's like, you know, he goes out there and he finds people and just like publishes them, right. Using the stuff we teach and makes, makes a ton of money. There's another guy in there that's just like publishing like dating experts. He just goes to Instagram and YouTube and finds all these. Cause, cause the thing is, you know, you gotta realize it's like, 
it, it's all connected. All this is connected, right? So earlier in the, in the call, we talked about how we're in this thing where it's like, um, you know, every, you know, if you really think about the world and how it works, like all incentives create consequences, right? And so wherever I look at um, who's creating incentives, I'm like, well, what, what damage are they doing here, right? And so, for example, like the federal, you know, the government, right? It's like, oh, you know, here's the incentive to have lower interest rates. Fantastic. Consequences now housing out of control, right? For most people. And yeah. so same thing with YouTube, right? Like if you look at the golden era of Google and YouTube is like to, up, to, up to 2015, 16, right? And then Google was like, oh, here's some incentive. Here's some money to make videos, right? And people go, oh, that's interesting, right? And so they're like, you know, you have ton of people like so a lot of those like lot, some of the biggest fitness youtubers on um you know were basically people that uh i know that published them right so they published them and then you if google was like well, here's more money and you know so it's like if there's an incentive by google to monetize the content then there what are the consequences right and so the consequences are one of clutter right and so therefore content is like being produced and the reason i say this is because it creates a great opportunity for everybody to go to these YouTubers, to go to these um, influencers all over the world and say, hey, look, it's like, you know, do you really want to create two videos a week for the next five years? Or do you want to have your own product and run it and scale it an ad? It's like, I'll take the ads, right? Because it's like, it's it's one of the only things that can remove you from time, right? Yeah. So ultimately, everything humans do is to have more time so they can enjoy life. Because it's like all money, everything's created out of time, right? And so it's like, I, I have this thing where I'll, I'll do this exercise with... um. With, with people in the group and I'll ask them like, look, it's like, if, if you, you know, how young you are or whatever, it's like, if you go and trade positions with Warren, uh, you know, Warren Buffett and he's like, I don't know how old he's like 80, 90 or something. Would you, and you can have all this wealth. You can have everything. Would you do it? No, I've never had one person say yes. Right. Cause you don't have time to enjoy it. What's the point of having it. Right. Yeah. And so again, back to the offer ownership, it gives you something that you've got here. You know, you set out to do it is time. But um, as far as like starting it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think, a lot of people are like thinking it's either or um, either or implies there's no choice, right? That, that, that it, it's, it's a very stressful thing, but it's not an either or you can do freelancing and you can start your offer. And then when this thing takes off, then drop this. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting thing. So obviously if you're a freelancer, then you got some time, right? Cause you have some time you can take a hit on your income from producing something and, kind of have a, a halfway. I mean, living, uh, there are a lot of people and this is, uh, you know, there's a, there's a big trend of living within your means or lower in your means. It's just a matter of prioritizing, right? I mean, the first year I started, I lived on $20,000. Literally my rent was a thousand. So, uh, it was a lot of tuna and a lot of eggs. Cause I, I focused on protein and I, I did it, but a lot of tuna, a lot of eggs, and then things happen, right? So that's uh, that's interesting. But I, I like your perspective that you say that, you know, anybody can do it if they want to. You know, there's a lot of people that are limiting. And and sometimes, I, you know, this is maybe something that's a little bit, you know, uh, contrary to what you're saying. I, I do feel that there are some people, their abilities just cannot get to a certain point, either because they don't have the time, they don't have the, the resources or whatever. Um, so sometimes, you know, I, I do commend that that viewpoint that anybody can do it, but I do think that sometimes people are uh, because of their their life circumstance maybe in a better position to stay as a freelancer. You know, um, maybe, uh, maybe you know, it, it's like it all requires uh, sacrifice, right? Like if you think about it, you know, it takes uh, it takes a while to do anything, and so it's like, you know, if somebody because you know, it's, it's if you really think about it, like the smartest man in the world is like what, like 200 IQ or something, right? There's like maybe two of them, right? 
two, yeah. that's it. Rest are kind of, we're all kind of equal, right? In terms of IQ, right? So therefore nobody's twice as smart as you, right? Yeah. And there's no pattern in the world where it says, for example, you know, somebody that's seven feet tall or whatever, the richest people are the tallest people, right? We know that's not true. Like Jeff Bezos is not like seven feet tall. Musk is not seven feet tall, right? So that's not true. Then some can say, well, good looking people are the richest. That's not true, right? So there's no commonality other than what's in here, right? And so yeah. if everybody's equal in the sense of anybody can learn, right? And if you can't learn today, when can you learn, right? So for example, like if I wanted to learn any subject, I can just go on YouTube and Google and I can learn in about a year or so, maybe six months, I can become an expert, give it enough time, right? Yeah. On any topic, any topic, any topic, you know? And That's so, true. so if, if, if that tells us that anybody can learn it, then it's like, why can't they learn how to do it? So much, so long as they want to, like, you know, so long as they want to, um, anybody can do it. Like I, you know, and, and you know, what's really interesting too. It's like the people that you know, I feel bad saying this, but it's like some of the dumbest people I know make the most amount of money because they don't <laughs> overthink it. They don't overthink it. They just do it. Well, I guess the, the, then then what, like to clarify my point, it would be basically if somebody has the will, because I think knowledge, I, I agree. I mean, knowledge is out there. You want to learn whatever you want to learn. Sure. Yeah, I yeah. learned in 2005, I learned what a merchant account was and I learned how to manage merchant accounts and open companies offshore and all that. And 2005 internet is very different than 2022 internet. So, um, yeah. you know, anybody can learn anything. It's just the will. Like some yeah. people just don't have the will. And, and if you don't, don't that, want that's not something that you can teach. You you want it or you don't. Right. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you want it, you'll get it. If you don't want it, you won't get it. Simple. It's, it's, it's very simple. Right. I think most people, it goes back to the thing. They want the outcome. They don't want to do the work. Right. So it's yeah. interesting in nature, like everything, like even, even a baby, right. Is it takes like nine months. Right. And yeah. you have like three trimesters. And one of the interesting patterns I've seen um, doing this for a very long time when people come into the offer game, you know, it works in this like three, six, nine pattern, right? It requires like three months of sacrifice to get it going, right? Like some people do in like two weeks, some people do in a month, whatever, right? It doesn't matter. But it's like three months to kind of put the wheels on and kind of like have it go, right? And then it takes another three months for it to kind of like stabilize. And then it takes another three months for it to pop off. And like, it's interesting because like I, I taught this to a few guys while back and they're like holy shit this is like coming true right so it's that it re everything requires sacrifice it's all trade-offs right so it's like do you you know can anybody do it absolutely does anybody you know but i think most people like i said it's like i said in the beginning it's like most people they want the outcome they don't want the, the ability to create outcomes right yeah. and so that's why five percent of the people in industry make all the money a lot of people also you know a lot of people in this industry also it, it, it's it benefits them not to empower other people, right? Because it's like, it's like so much so that it's like, for example, if I teach you, if I just say, hey, you know, you're just a freelancer, do that, it's it's a safe, people are keeping you in a box. But same people that limit people on doing that make all their money from offers. So it's like, it's like, it's like a parad paradoxical position to be in. Well, right? yeah, that's, that's the coaching business in, in a nutshell. I mean, the FTC, I feel like the FTC, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm very abreast of what happens with the FTC, but just to give everybody kind of an idea, the FTC, in my experience, every 12 to 18 months kind of has a new kind of target, whether it's supplements or whether it's, you know, business opportunities and so on and so forth. So obviously the biz op space, which is, you know, I call it education, call it information products, whatever you want to call it. We call it BizOp in our in our world. You know, the BizOp space is now getting to a point that like every single person that's made like $10,000 in one month wants to teach you how to make that 10,000, even if they only made it one time, yes. uh, which, which, you know, cracks me up. I see a lot of people's numbers, right? So I see people like, you know, what they're doing and what they're saying and what they're actually doing. And it's sometimes like, you know, obviously we maintain our all confidentiality, but it's surprising, um, yeah. you know, how, how this, this world works, but, um, you know, teaching somebody how to do something is your offer. So, 
people have to kind of understand that the the the, the coaches are sometimes keeping you in this box, like you said, because that yeah. that that is to their benefit to keep you in their ecosystem of being a freelancer, being somebody who does gigs and stuff like that, because that benefits them, whereas they're obviously owning the offer. So, uh, you know, but at a certain point where, where I feel like we're, we're starting to get to, um, just like an abundance of coaches an abundance of, 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 um, you know, people trying to teach other people. It's hard. Um, I think for a lot of, especially like I have some younger family members, nieces and nephews, it's hard for them to actually know, like you said, like, who are the people that we need to know? And, and it's, you know, at 18, 19, your brain's kind of like, oh, this looks good. This looks great. But on, on in the online world, let's say, let's say you are just starting out, right? And, you know, you don't necessarily need an Elon Musk to teach you. You need somebody who's maybe a couple of steps ahead of you. Um, how do you identify these people? Yeah, that, that that's really dangerous, though. The couple of steps ahead of you thing is a really dangerous thinking because, like, it's typically the wrong couple of steps, Okay. Interesting. <laughs> it's, it's not the right steps. Right? And I'll tell you why. Right. Yeah. So if you, you know, I, I, you know, I got, I got started in this game a long time ago as, as you have as well. Right. So for example, like, you know, I remember, you know, getting a merchant account was like equal to getting a mortgage. Right. It's like, yes. you know, put the paper, <laughs> get the bank statements in, you know, you got $50,000, like, come on, give me 10 grand. Right. No, nah, we'll hold 10% or whatever, right? All that stuff, right? And then you have to go to American Express and get a separate thing and all this stuff, right? Then it was like, let me build a page. Let me do uh, HTML. You know, it's, it's like, oh, I want to go buy some ads. Okay, great. Fuck, get an ad server. Go find a site to do an IO, right? All these things, right? And it was like a much more, you know, even though there was a lot less people, like, you know, people like that. But the thing is, it's like, you know, I learned how to do everything myself, right? And so, you know, you had to do it without the handicap, right? And what I mean by that is like, if you look at most of the, our current, so I left, you know, I, I was running webinars 2004, 2018, and I had a different last name on Facebook because I had my identity stolen and like, uh, cause you know, I had like a bunch of cars and everything on there, et cetera. So like they use like, you know, what car do you have? They looked in the Facebook and like stole my identity, right? So I was like, oh, wow. oh shit. So I deleted all that. But what happened was, um, what happened was like, um, I came back in 2018. I was like, man, it's like, there's a lot of people teaching this stuff. They must be good. Right. So, so I'm like, this is great. So I started like looking around. And I was like, no, all these people suck. Well, not all, almost like most of these guys suck because it's like, it's the damn pixel. Right. So, you know, what you have to realize is like a uh, recency of customer, right. Recency of customer and a buyer. When a, somebody buys something, a buyer will buy anything. Right. And so the magic of the algorithm, the Facebook from 2014 to about, you know, like last thing, last March, was the pixel. So it did everything for you, right? The handicap. So you didn't have to know marketing psychology. You didn't have to do no copy. You didn't have to know shit. You didn't have to know pages. You just had to be there and make a claim. And then also like, you know, credit was abundant. And so everybody was like, you know, money was flowing and you were just there to receive it, right? And so the market was building the desire instead of the person knowing how to create desire, right? So so what happened was like a lot of people these days that are like gurus. I know because a lot of them come to me and pay me like, you know, 50 to $100,000 for consulting to like, help them. And they're like, my shit is dead. My business is dead. My, uh, you know, whatever. And so, um, the numbers are way down, right? So if you look at their wins, if you look at the testimonials, pay attention to the time, you'll see like 2015, 2016, 2017. Nice. So the best question in this industry to ask is when, right? When, so I did that when, when, oh, the one webinars are great, right? Yeah. When, 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 when. And so when you ask the question of when, then it's like you get the truth. So the first thing to ask is like when, right? So that's the stuff. So what happens also, um, there's two part answer to this question. Like, so one part is like everything teaches process. The problem with teaching process is like 
it stops working because it's built on third-party components, such as, for example, if you're teaching webinars, like, oh, you know, make get rich with webinars, right? Okay, so you go teach webinars, and then what ends up happening is in the pixel changes, you know, quality of the lead goes down, recency goes down, people don't show up, the interest is down, you know, whatever numbers. Now, people can still make it work, but the the guys that know how to do it, right? But most don't, and so when you teach process, it doesn't, it never, it never works. The process always breaks, right? So that's yeah. why you see gurus, process, system, formula, method, whatever. Psh, did. Psh, psh. So I don't teach process. And after learning that, I'm like, I'm not doing process anymore, right? So that's one thing. Uh, so so a lot of the stuff being taught is is basically uh, people that had it easy. So the time has changed. So the when is different than it is now, right? So as far as I know in this industry, I'm the only one teaching a lot of the stuff that, you know, you don't need a pixel, you don't need this. Because to be honest, like, if you want to run, learn how to write, you know, run Facebook ads or YouTube ads, you can learn the technicality over a weekend. The psychology takes a while, the creative aspect, right? The other thing is um, what I learned a long time ago was to, um, if I wanted to learn, uh, knowing this question of when is like the the the, the concept of derivative experts, right? Okay. And so, so what ends up happening is like you have every industry has what's called a super text, right? And so a super text is basically like the foundational text in an industry that it's, you know, it gives the foundation to industry, right? So for example, like Newton's work, right? That gave foundation to to, the, to his, you know, field of study, right? In our industry, you know, you have like, um, you know, Robert Collier, letter book, John E. Kennedy's work in copywriting, Claude Hopkins, uh, Gary Halbert letter would be a, a, the super text to the degree. It's the stuff that gave the foundation, right? Yes. And so what ends up happening is um, you have the super text and then you have the next generation, which is good. Then you have the next generation, which is good. And then the third generation, it's like a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. Because as time goes on, uh, you know, because if you think about what marketing is and sales, it's nothing more than communication, right? So I don't think, I'm, you know, it's like, even though I can probably beat any copywriter in the world when it comes to copy, it's like the messaging is it. So copywriting is nothing more than messaging, right? And so if you start thinking about copy as messaging, it's like, you know, a tweet's a message, a Facebook post is a message, an email is a message, a letter is a, it's all a message. What message are you inserting? So as technology gets better for us to send messages, the less we need to improve the skill of sending that message. And so this is where AI comes in. So it's like AI comes in, so they're helping us create a message, but it's not the right message because it doesn't know to whom it's going, right? So who you sell is important to, right? So so what happens is, um. With the super text is you have these derivatives. So it's a, it's a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. And then they forget the art of it, right? So when I learned, when I learned this concept, actually the way I learned the concept is I studied um, when I got into copy heavily, right? I was like, well, who are some of the best writers in the world? Just screenplay writers, right? So I went into that world and started like hand copying screenplays, right? And so um, if you want to hire like really, if you're a company and you want to get like really, really great um, copywriters, you know, the best thing to do is go on Craigslist or something and like post, uh, you know, jobs for failed screen screenplay writers and teach them to become copywriters because they, they can write very well. And so, um, so I started, and so in Hollywood, it's like, you know, you have these old movies and you notice like there's a lot of classics in the seventies, eighties, et cetera, nineties, like the movies felt different, right? Yes. Yeah. But if you notice movies now, right now, like in today's day and age, it's like, they can't make a movie without special effects. Like they cannot, like they cannot, I mean, you, you, some can, I guess like Quentin Tarantino and like, you know, it's a few guys like, uh, what was that? Uh, where's two brothers, you know, there's two brothers that, that make movies, uh, you know, country for old men, Coen brothers. Yeah. Coen oh, brothers. Yeah, can, okay. yeah. They're fantastic. Yeah. But most can't. Right. And so in Hollywood, this is what happened. So it's like, yeah, the first generation that was there from like 1930s. Then the second generation was like, uh, I think Francis Coppola and, uh, 
Stanley Kubrick and stuff. And there's like, you know, classics, yeah, The Godfather, et cetera. Then you had the 80s and 90s, which had some good movies, but you could see the fade, right? The fade into like BS. They were trying now, in the 80s and bad special effects, but still they were starting. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But now, so that's what happens, right? And so when it comes to learning, it's like, just go to the super text and they're all like cheap or free. Like, so it's like, you know, like Johnny Kennedy. Uh, and, and so uh, like what I did was like when I read the Halbert letter, like Gary Halbert letter, I would reach each thing. And like anytime he would mention a book, I would just write it and put it on the side. And then when I was done reading his letter, I would read that book, right? And then in that book, anytime he mentioned another book, I would save it, go read that book until I ran out of things to read. Yeah. So that, that, that'd be my advice uh, to people. Now that requires patience and most people don't have patience. So I, well, I, guess it, I guess it wraps up like it's almost like a good wrap up to the beginning of the question, which is like the AI and, and who to hire and stuff like that, is that essentially it, what I'm getting from you is, is you don't necessarily need somebody that's just going to get you a couple of steps ahead. You should have the will in order to get yourself that couple of steps ahead because they're, the the resources and the information are all out there if you want them. Right. You don't yeah. need somebody to handhold yeah. you. And that obviously, uh, you know, when you're building a team, that's actually another another quality is obviously making sure that somebody doesn't need to be handheld uh, across things that they, they they can, you know, um, well, be a self-starter, you know, you know, and, like, like, like you, you pay amateurs to figure it out and you pay professionals to do it. Right. That's the biggest difference. Right. So it's like you pay amateurs to figure it out and you pay professionals to, to do the job. Right. That's it. And so they'll cost you a lot more to figure it out than to do the job, even though it might cost more upfront. Right. Yeah. That's one thing I learned a hard way. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's, it's definitely, you have to pay for skills, right? You need to get the right people. You got to compensate them. So, well, it should be free to be honest with you. Like if, if, you know, like, like my whole philosophy of marketing is like to compete on economics. Right. So it's like, if you really like, there's three levels of economics, you know, you got the the front end offer economics and you got the secret economics and you got the hidden economics, right? So secret yeah. economics is like doing deals in the back to offset the, the burden of um, delivery for a good amount of money. And then hidden economics is basically like allocating capital, right? So if you really think about what business is, it's nothing than like uh, acquisition of capital, allocation of capital, multiplication of capital, right? That's it. So it's like, if you, you know, offers acquire capital, you sit there and you're like, okay, well, who do I give this capital to? You allocate capital. And then you multiply capital. If you really think about what, you know, Elon Musk does, what Buffett does, what all the super rich, they're just, they, they know how, they have a system that acquires capital offers some type of thing. Right. Yeah. And then they sit there and they have good management and well, what good management does is allocate capital and then make sure that allocation gets implemented to create multiplication of capital. Right. So, you know, with, with offers, um, I had, I had a guy I work with, you know, I took him from hundred K a month to 3 million a month. And, um, you know, it, you, the question then is like, well, you know, what comes for a chicken or the egg? How do we pay for this? Right. It's like, how do you pay for the team? Right. Cause it's like, you know, it's not fun. Like, you know, taking on like seven to 10 grand a month, you know, a bunch of people, you know, it's the next thing we get like a hundred grand a month, whatever, et cetera. Right. Yeah. And so then it was easy. It was just like, well, just create the back end, and each one of those back end sales covers the front end and the front, like these people and these people get you a lot of money. So it's like, it's very easy if you really think about, um, you know, if you really think about it, um, and the so, other thing is, let me just say this. The other thing is yeah. like when it comes to offers and everything, it's like there's this sense of, you know, we tend to look up to really, you know, people that are kind of like giants, right? And it's like, it's very intimidating. Like when you look up to guys like they're giants, but like we don't really celebrate the smaller heroes, right? And those, those are the people that it's like, so it's like everything big starts small, right? And so it's like, you know, every offer that makes a million a month at one point made, you know, hundred K a month and at one point made 10 K a month or a thousand dollars a month, whatever. Right. Yeah. That's it. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you say, uh, you just kind of casually mentioned, you know, we took somebody from a million, you took somebody from a million to 3 million. First of all, how long was that? And what, what was the, the key driver of getting him from to, to, or him or her to, to get from one, 100,000 to 3 million? Yeah. So, so this person spent like two years in a, in a very high end copywriting mastermind. And like, so they tried a lot of copy, um, you know, tried a lot of copy tricks to, to make it work. And it was just like, you know, again, copy is really important and everybody watching this should learn it. Like you should strive to master it, but you also have to realize it's that words have a limitation um, to the degree that the other person can absorb. So it's like communication isn't, isn't really about what you say. It's what the other person hears. Right. And the way people filter information, hear information is far important than how you say things. Right. That's what affects the thing. So he came to me and basically it was, um, you know, they tried the same thing, which was like, you know, do a webinar, do this, do this, do this. Right. And so it's like one thing I learned years ago in like 2014, whatever, it's like, I mastered copy, right. I mastered copy. And it was like, and, um, what I found was like with copy, you know, the people I were competing with, um, you know, we talked about the FTC earlier. It's like, you get to a stage of a market where, um, you know, claims start to get crazy. Right. Cause, cause what happens is like, um, um, what happens is people, you know, the way it works, like, you know, you make some money, whatever, and then you buy a lot of stuff and then you like having nice stuff and, you know, you get in debt and then it's like, you know, you got to make a choice. It's like, do you want to keep this stuff or, you know, do you want to keep the business? Right. And so it's like, you know, one of the biggest lessons I learned out of this book is like the concept about acting, you know, acting big, thinking small, thinking small, acting big. So a lot of times when people make some decent money, they start, um, acting big and thinking small. So when you don't have a lot of money, you know, you, you, you think big, start, you, you act, you think big, but you act small. Right. And so like, even me right now, like, you know, I don't buy anything, right. Like I can afford pretty much anything I can imagine, but I really don't buy anything. It's like, and I don't really have a, like, I know how to create desire. I'm I hit the level where it's like, I know, like most people in this industry, like, you can't create desire. I'm like, there's a way to create desire. So I know how desire works on a deep level. And so it's like, I know how marketing affects me. And so it's like, yeah, I'm kind of like becoming immune to it. Right. You're immune. Yeah. You're immune yeah, to any, yeah. any sales pitch. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so anyway, so what ends up happening is like in 2014, like, you know, I, and then at the time, you know, like I'm looking around and I'm like, man, it's like, you know, you had a choice to make. Like, it's like, it's like, do you, you know, you know, the only way to compete with liars in copy is to become a bigger liar. Right. That's it. That's it. And that's, that's what everybody, you know, like if you look at, you know, sophistication models, that's what happens. And at the end, the government stops to regulate. Right. And so I was like, I don't want to compete with liars. Like I'm done. So I went into the software world. Right. And, um, but before that, you know, like we were like running, you know, offers and, you know, we were thinking we're like hot shit would copy. And there's guys doing like $800,000 a day. Right. Like on Google, I'm like, fuck. And they're, they have no copy. It's like just some dinky ass two page website, whatever. I'm like, what the fuck? Right. And it's like, like I'm, my brain couldn't like, you know, the CPA offers. I don't know if you remember CPA offers back then. Right. Yeah. So it's like, like my, for a long time, for like good, like four to six months, like I am a buddy, I had a buddy of mine and like, he's like, dude, it's like, you know, we're promoting this thing. And it's like, this thing is like making this much money. And it's converting at this like 10, 15, 20%. And like, you know, we're getting like 3% with, with BSLs and, uh, you know, um, sales letters and like, oh, man, my brain fought that. Like it would, you just wouldn't, wouldn't fucking, it wouldn't, it wouldn't accept it. Right. Cause, cause yeah. I had to like, I had to like, like literally destroy everything I knew. So I was like, okay, fuck it. Right. Let me look at it. So I started studying it, what people were doing. And what I realized largely is like, um, you know, it's all about competing on economics. Right. And so what I mean by, you know, most people compete on words and like, for example, like, you know, I can write a letter, you can write a letter, 
or VSL, whatever, and we're yeah. selling the same thing. And, you know, if we're selling the same thing, we can twist the words, emotions, whatever you, you can increase it. Right. But it's like to, to increase it by like a factor of five to 10, it's, you're not going to do it. Right. So for example, you know, you can have, you know, I'll give you an example. So for example, like you, you can have some, you know, you can go to the, you know, top 10 copywriters in the world and you say, Hey guys here, you know, beat this controller. And everybody's like, and I have a process for beating controls. We can talk about that too. It's pretty good. So, so, yeah, so, so what's happening is like, you know, so you can have five copywriters, you know, compete and they're like, you know, like 5% better, 10%, whatever. Right. Or you can do like self-sorting upsells, increase, you know, upsell, you know, 23%, you know, AOV. So I don't look at conversion rates. I look at AOV contribution rates. Right. Cause at the end of the day, Google operates on money. They want basically how much money can you spend or at Facebook, they don't really care. They're not, you know, they're not awarding, um, ad placements based on conversion rates. Right. So for yeah. example, you know, there was a famous copywriter going around a few years ago saying something like, Oh, you know, uh, for every percentage I increase your conversion rate, you got to give me a thousand dollars. I'm like, sure. Just lower the fucking price done. It's like, right. It's not hard. And so it's like, yeah. I don't look at the conversion rates, which is a very flawed thing, you know, conversion rate of what, because the conversion rate has to represent something. So I look at AOV contributions when I'm optimizing a funnel. Right. So when you have a whole funnel path anyway, so I started thinking about this, and I was like, okay, words are limited. The reason words are limited is because understanding is limited, right? And so understanding is limited because you can say something, I can say something, and it doesn't matter what we say, it's how they hear us, right? So that's why there's a great book everybody should read. This one right here, it's called uh, Art, of Readable, Art of Readable Writing by uh, Rudolf Flesh, right? So there's this concept called, like, I call them cheap words and expensive words. Okay. But he basically, like, Latin words are expensive words, Anglo-Saxon words are cheap words. So there's a whole strategy on how to write so that the cheaper words they use them easily they're understood so it's not really matter you know so you know so comprehension is low and what i mean by comprehension is like what do people understand because like the way it works is like when you write stuff images are formed in the mind and those images um, are linked to memories and then memories feelings and emotions come out right that's, that's the structure of it and so after realizing that, I was like, what the hell, What's the, what, what do we got to do here? And so I realized that it's like the keys to compete on economics, like like numbers, right? Change the numbers. Yeah. And so, so that, and then the other thing is based, so economics, but competing on economics goes much, much deeper. And so I'm writing this new book and like everything like, uh, you know, in, in that NHB platform that I'm building, it's based on this, but to compete on economics is basically like to compete on trade-offs, right? And so if you, if you, if you look at what economics means, it basically means that, um, you know, to uh, allocate um, scarce resources, right? So remember acquisition of capital, allocation of capital, multiplication of capital, it's the same thing. It's like, but on like a personal level, like, so it's like they acquire resources and they allocate resources, right? Yeah. So money, so they acquire money through work, time, whatever, most people have time, business, whatever. Then it's like, how do they allocate that money? So one of the things that most people get wrong when it comes to selling and marketing is that, um, you know, they, they come, they come with this premise that it's like, they just want to get a yes. Right. So, so I do a lot of things differently. Like, well, shit, most of the thing I do is completely like, it's not what everybody else thinks, completely different way of thinking, but that's why I get the best results for people. And so, and by the way, I'm getting to the point how I got the results for the guy, right? This is, this is, this is like a lesson in itself. It's really important. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, when it, so, so when it comes to economics, it's like, what's the trade-off, right? Like what's, what's the trade-off? So for, for every time you get somebody to say yes to giving you money, simultaneously, you're getting them to say no to a whole lot of things, right? So for example, if I, um, you know, if I ask you to give me a thousand dollars for something, I'm asking you not to buy, you know, maybe a new phone, maybe an Apple watch, maybe, you know, a thing for your son, 
you know, maybe a thing for your mother. I'm asking you not to buy that TV. I'm asking you a lot of other things. But the thing is like, I don't know what I'm asking you, right? I don't know what I'm asking you. And so, and so the key is like, when it comes to sale is to get the no first before you can say the yes, then the yes becomes a lot easier, right? And so if you look at every single funnel, it's nothing more than just like a series of decisions, right? That's it. A funnel is a series of decisions. However, um, the, when you have a lot of decisions, then you accumulate decision fatigue. So decision fatigue is accumulated by the fact that um, they have to co co compute trade-offs, right? They have to think about it, right? And that's why if you look at the upsell path, it always goes like this because they they, they get tired of making the, do I want this? Do I want that? Do I want that? Do I, you know what, et cetera, right? So, yeah. so um, you know, and so the basis of making an irresistible offer, I shared this in a group, is like, would you trade anything in the world for this, right? I had to make them. And the answer is yes, the trade, right? So when it comes to competing economics, and so, you know, that's kind of the idea, right? And how do people trade this for that, to that, to that, to that, right? And so this goes really deep. There's like, it's like a lot of depth to it. Right? No, there'd be a whole separate, we can do another call if you want for this, but so, so I want to, so that's one thing. And then put that aside, and then there was this other thing where um, if you look at um, uh, as far as like economics, you have economics of attention, right? Yeah. And so in today's world, what's happening is um, we love to buy, but people love to buy because it feels really good to buy, right? Like it's a good feeling, right? Because we can choose what we have to, you know, what we, um, we can choose what we, what makes us feel good, but we hate being sold to because that implies that we don't get to choose what makes us feel good, right? So- yeah. Yeah, and so in in today's world, um, you know, sales processes. This is what I talked about earlier. It's like all processes stop working because when people realize, because uh, people like so. So the, the one of the fundamental tenets of direct response and conversions is that you have to be in control of the sales process. So when I have like you know famous YouTubers or you know or you TikTokers or influencers whatever come to me, I ask the first question I ask them is your sales like this. Like, you know, like a steady sale, like, you know, like, you know, you ever seen like medical charges, like, do, do, yeah. do, 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 do. or is it like beep like that? Right. And if they're like this, I'm like, you're not in control of the sales process because you can see on these peaks, they're deciding when, when they want to buy. So you got to have a steady thing where money always comes in. That's, you know, you control the sales process, right? Yeah. Well, you can't be in control of the sales process if they know what the sales process is. Right. And okay. so. So you always have to hide the sales process. So if you look at the history of direct response, and this is why you should study super text is because, um, you know, back in the day, like with Johnny e. Kennedy, they looked at newspapers and they were like, oh, you know, this is a uh, shit. What if we, what if, simple question, what if we made our advertisement look like an article Would more people read it? Yes. And so they did it and a lot of people read it. Then Gary Halbert was, you know, rest in peace was like, well, um, you know, he was like, well, you know, if, if we, and others, you know, if we make a letter, sales letter look like a letter, you know, if you look at the coat of arms letter, it's like dear Nancy or whatever, right? Yeah. You know, it's a letter. It's not a sales letter, right? If you look at infomercial, it's not a infomercial. It's a TV commercial late at night. You know, if you look at webinars, they're not webinars, they're breach. So you always have some type of innovation that um, hides the sales process. So the first is hiding the sales process, right? Second thing is, uh, what so you always had to decide the sales part, but what do you hide it in, right? The secondary thing is that you have to look at innovation in marketing. So the where innovation marketing comes from is basically this idea of um it's some type of technology that enables us to communicate, right? So if you look at like as humans have a need for information that gives us safety and security. So we're always like scanning the environment for information, and that's why we have novelty in the brain, because novelty of information, novelty of data 
survival, right? And so that's why TikTok is addictive because it could just more, 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 more data amongst other things. And so what we do largely is that we, um, you know, you pay attention to something new that emerges, right? Such as a podcast, right? And you pay attention to what are people paying attention to, right? So in that particular thing we took from webinars and we say, well, what if, what if we just package that into, in, into a thing that looks like a podcast, let's create a new format, right? So we did it and then it's crushing it. So right now, as I'm recording this, I have a client in Italy. Um, his name is Alex, great guy, right? He's using all the stuff I'm telling you this and like all the stuff I thought in fast forward, he's literally spending a thousand dollars a day euros and making 15,000 back a day on the front end, no coaching, nothing in, in the finance space, by the way, finance space, right? 15 X it's, it's insane. So that's what, that's what it looks like, right? They're not aware of the sales process. You basically process and basically they, then they absorb the sales process, right? So if you can get them to absorb the sales process, you can increase it, right? And I'm the master at that. And so there's nobody better than me in the world that. So, so, so what ends up happening is like when you hide the sales process, um, then you can download that data info and you can do all sorts of other things. Once you get in the mind, you know, like change thoughts and, and beliefs and, you know, and change, um, you know, you pull emotions, move things around, you know, what, but you got to get, get, get in there first, right? And to get in there, you know, so, so that's what we did with that guy. We basically uh, changed the sales process. We look at this new thing. I saw, look, look at his audience. And I said, you know, shit, man, well, these guys, you know, we'll, we'll spend three hours watching Joe Rogan. Let's just make something look dead. And then they're like, okay. But um, there was a nuance, which is basically like this idea of big idea copy and mechanistic copy, right? And so I've, you know, I've, I've talked shit about this and I will continue to talk shit about it forever. And I've had like, you know, famous marketers try to challenge me on it. And they're like, well, big idea is great, you know? And I'm like, well, how the fuck is it great if you have to spend two weeks finding out why the product is good? Like if I have to go, I don't need two weeks to tell you why this is good. That's you know? true. Yeah. I don't need to go spend two weeks looking for the We're big idea. We're pointing at an iPhone for everybody listening. So yeah, yeah we don't need, yeah. Yeah. most of if, the stuff that we want, we just want. If you, if, if something, it's like this, if something isn't good, the product itself so we, we go back to the beginning of the call, which is transformative value, right? Something that transforms. If the product is transformative, we don't need a big idea to demonstrate that. It just works. So people buy for the product, right? So product, like a product can exist and sell without marketing. Marketing cannot exist without product. Marketing without good product is called a scam, right? That's it. That's and true. that's why people complain to the FTC and stuff, because it's like marketing Again, beginning, what's the, what's the formula for uh, uh, creating a brand? Uh, experience exceeding expectation, right? So if the marketing goes and uh, promises stuff, basically what ends up happening is that the experience, uh, expectation increases, exceeds experience. You have complaints, right? That's it. I'm obviously curious to hear how, like beating the control and how you do it, because that was one thing that you mentioned that I, I wanted to get get on there. But, um, you know, I, I'm obviously, these are very, you know, high level kind of marketing techniques and things that I, I feel like, you know, obviously you have to have some experience. Somebody was already making $100,000 before you got them to, to 3 million, right? Like they, they, they already knew how to make the 100K, uh, which is a lot further than a lot most, most people. But, um, in order to get to the point that you get, you need that, there has to be, uh, I guess, numbers, like you were saying, right? It's like, you can have two great sales letters, you can have two great products. Like there's a lot of people who come to direct paynet for different various reasons, but they could also go to uh, my competitor, even though I think I'm better, you know what I mean? But 
it's it's relaying the mes- message out there. So it does take some math, right? Like takes when I say math, it's metrics. Like how do you, you have to also learn how to get the traffic? How do you get the eyeballs? Because you can have the greatest offer in the world if you have no eyeballs on it doesn't matter. Right. So that was one thing that you touched upon is that, you know, like you have a lot of sales letter, what makes one successful. Um, there's obviously a lot of strategy behind it, but on the, on the, you know, just kind of surface on the math side of things, or I call it the math side, but, you know, meaning the, the getting people's eyeballs, getting them to on the page, getting them to fill out the order page. How do you, as Google and Facebook and all the, the 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 big techs are changing their algorithms, how do you how do you compete on that? How do you how do you do it? Yeah, so so like I mean, like if you're a copywriter, you have a massive head start, and but if you're also a media buyer, you have like I honestly I, I like the, the the best people I've seen to become offer owners are media buyers. Like 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 mm-hmm. there's so far not one media buyer I haven't really worked with or mentored that didn't go to make you know millions of dollars. Um, and so you know you have to realize. Um, First off, that it's like the whole world is conspiring to make you money, right? That, that's kind of like my belief. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I but like yeah, that. If you th- yeah. So, for example, like, you know, like Google has like, I don't know how many employees they have, like, you know, 100,000 or something, right? Yeah. Facebook has like, let's say 100,000 too. And it's like you have all these people like whose entire job is to like make sure that you can access audiences, right? How crazy is that? Like, so for example, like, you know, Google is worth trillions of dollars, not trillion, I think it's maybe like a trillion or whatever. And Facebook was worth a trillion, still worth a lot. They're worth a lot of money because um, people can actually monetize that traffic, right? So it's like, we don't have a lack of traffic. We have a lack of monetized traffic, right? So traffic is everywhere. Like the whole internet is like um, nothing but traffic, right? Like that's it. So it's like, there's all this like a uh, potential hopping around that's, that's, you know, hopping around with desires, et cetera, and all this stuff. That's like an emotion. So if you know how to like tap into that, um, which is basically like markets, like, you know, what are markets? And so it's like, I think one of the biggest challenges that people make with making offers is um, they they think offer first when you should think, you know, industry market first, right? So I said in the beginning of the call, it's like you don't optimize an offer, you adapt it to the market, right? And the reason is like a market will control the offer, like, you know, control the offer. So in case in point, like you can have a really great offer in a bad market. Um, and it's like, it'll be really difficult to make it work. Right. Um, and so, um, and, and, uh, with, when it comes to a really, uh, you know, when you have a really bad offer in a great market, it'll be easy to make it work. Right. So it's, it, that's how it works. So it's like, it's almost, a, it's almost like where you bet is where you make money. Right. And so there, when it comes to markets, there's like static markets, and there's dynamic markets, right? And there's mechanical and creative, right? So I talked about this like a year and a half ago in the Facebook group, but this is one of the biggest things that uh, mess people up, right? And so if you have like a dynamic market, like internet marketing, teaching internet marketing, that's a, a dynamic market, right? And so what I mean by that is that um, it's hard to build a stable business where everything changes, right? So for example, like imagine you open a McDonald's and people don't like burgers next week. It's like, well, shit, what do you make? You gotta go, you know, that's it. And so for yeah. example, in, in internet marketing, right? There's not one offer that has lasted more than five years, not one, right? Except there's five one. Five years there's is long. I mean, I, I think usually they fizzle out in 18 months. Then my Right, exa- exactly. And this is dynamic. getting smaller. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And so, you know, so you got that and then you got static market, right? And so like, like in the mastermind around like fast forward and MHB plus, like we teach also like, you know, like astrology market, right? So we teach people to go into that market. And so that market is, uh, 
static. So like you can build an offer in a static market and run it for like five years, whatever. I have a friend, like he's in the female dating space and he's literally been running the same ads for like, like 10 years now, like 10 years. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. On Google, on Google. Right. And so then you have like um, mechanical markets and creative markets. So mechanical markets, like follow these steps and you'll get the outcome. Creative markets are hard because it's like, you have to get the end user to have creativity. Right. So for example, like teach, like I know a lot of people want to teach copy. So teaching copy is kind of difficult. Uh, because you, the user has to have creativity in a dynamic market, hard combo, but a lot of turnover, a lot of opportunity, but also difficult, right? Yeah. So it's knowing how to pick markets. Um, knowing how to pick markets is probably like, you know, it's a cheat code to, to um, it's a cheat code. It's almost like creating a customer avatar. Um, Is that what yeah. you're saying? Like I'm, if I, if I'm following correctly, like really knowing targeting and then figuring out if that market is actually a market that's a viable market, like somebody who's going to buy. Yeah. Um, markets go through changes though. Like I have this thing, like where I teach, it's like the market maturity cycles, like it's different than Eugene Schwartz cycles. Um, so it depends on where the market is in, in the stage. Okay. Um, then it's like, you can basically go through, um, depends where the market is in the stage. Will it tell you determine like if the market, you should go into the market or not, there's different aspects to it. Right. So, but, I, but it largely has to do with picking the market, right? And so a lot of people pick like, you know, difficult markets or like markets are just not big enough. So like, like direct response by large, you know, like if you have a VSL or a sales letter can penetrate about one to 3% max of the market. Like 3% is like tough, right? So 1%. Oh. And, and so I've worked with people that, you know, sold a million books and I've seen like, you know, I've seen data over the years, like how it happens, right? And so it's like, um, you know, if you have a market that's like say a hundred million people and you sell a million books, then it goes, it, it, it gets harder, right? And sure. so, so like when you look at the market, some you know, so you have to look at the market size. And so the market turnover, meaning how many people come in and how many people come out is also, also very, very important as far as that, right? And so, you know, it's like when you know all these things, it's, it's, you don't have to guess, you can just kind of like crisscross that you know exactly what's gonna happen, where you are and how it works. And, and that's it. And so, um, you know, then you get into demographics, like, you know, like, for example, like if you, you know, you have psychological market, physiological markets, you have wants, you have needs, the trade-offs and all these other things. So I fi I figure if, if I ever want to launch an offer, I'm just going to call you, but you did say something that you have to now, you have to tell us, which is, um, you know, the, the, um, how, how you beat the control and, and just like <laughs> beating controls in general. Cause I know that's a big thing, obviously for copywriters. I'm in, I'm in that sphere a lot. I hear, you know, did you beat the control? Did you beat the control? What are the mechanism of beating the control since, um, you know, you mentioned you have a great methodology. Yeah. So I'm actually writing a post about this. I'm trying to find my notes and um, I have like notes all over the place. So it's going to take me a minute, but I'll just tell you like what's on top of mine. Right. So, yeah. so in, in my mastermind, I do like hot seats, right? On Tuesdays I do hot seats. And uh, so I, you know, I have, uh, you know, some of the best and biggest marketers and copywriters in the world come to me, you know, to look at their stuff. Right. That's what I do once a week. And then I do daily feedback on other stuff. And so uh, one of the best copywriters in the world, um, this guy, I don't know, probably sold like $3 billion, maybe $5 billion worth of stuff, like like a, just a, like a weapon, right? Like like yeah. monster. Wow. Comes to me and he's like, you know, he's really bummed out. And he's basically like, you know, he's like, oh, you know, it's like I, um, you know, my, my, my thing didn't beat his thing. And he thought he would really beat it, right? 
And I just looked at it and I was like, oh, that's funny, right? So I laughed and like, he's like, what are you laughing at? I'm like, well, you know, it's like you change the structure, right? So most people think it's like uh, IQ is pattern recognition. It's really structural recognition, right? So if you look at it, like he had a, like he's, you know, every copy that's so, so the first thing about controls, by the way, that you have to understand is like, when it comes to the controls, you know, of copy, the reason it's a control is because it has the right structure, not the right words, right? It has the right structure. So the first okay. thing you have to do when you look at the control is look at the structure of that, right? And what I mean by structure is like, you know, every market has, um, you know, what's more important to them, right? It's, you know, credibility, et cetera, you know, all these things, right? And so in this one particular piece of copy, it was like a health market. And I can't remember, maybe back pain or something. I can't remember what the, what the, or knee pain or some, some type, some type of health thing. I can't remember, right? It's been, it's been a, like a month since I looked at it, but you know, it's like, if I looked at the, the control, it was like, it opens with like, you know, there was this doctor up there and, you know, it goes into like the doctor credibility, da, 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 da. there's a structure to it. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then he came in and he's, he's, he's like, you know, he does, you know, he does a lot of biz op as well. He does a lot of about everything, but you know, so he's like, let me come in there with this, like, you know, crazy story, right. Story. So he came in with a new story and it just completely didn't work. Right. So, you know, we had like, I don't know, like about a hundred people on the call or whatever. And I was like, look guys, here's how you be the control. The first thing you have to do is look at the control and then look at the structure. Right. Then you have to maximize that structure. Right. So for example, if they have credibility, they have a doctor, you see the doctor opening credibility, pay attention to it. Amplify the shit out of their credibility. Make your credibility better than their credibility, right? Then if they go into a story, make your story better. Then they, if they go into a mechanism, make your mechanism better. Keep the structure. And so what happens is when you keep their structure, because what will happen is like if you beat the control, the original copywriter will be all pissed off because it's like, ah, you know, it took my control now, right? Bastards. And so what will happen is like if you do that, like so you take the structure, right? You take the structure, you amplify it because the, the original copywriter already built a structure, Right. Then what you do is you amp like you basically, you know, use hyperbole, whatever to, you know, emphasize the structure because we know they respond to that. So more of that would be better, but keep the structure the same. Right. Yeah. And then when you do that, so then you get, that's how you beat the control. Right. And so you keep the structure because that's what the market, that structure works for that market. Most people, when they want to beat the control, you know, it's just like, let me try story. Let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try the kitchen sink. Let me try this, you know, whatever. They're, they're throwing a bunch of crap in there, right? From different markets, right? It doesn't work. So this one of the other things is like, you know, where? So it's like, this worked. What market? Okay, you know, you're selling to, you know, people over 60 and I'm selling to dudes over, you know, 20 to 30. Yeah. Doesn't work, right? So so you look at the structure, you amplify all that. So when you do that, you're going to beat the control. And then what will happen is they'll go to the original copywriter and say, well, this beat you. The original copywriter is not going to think that it's a structure. They'll think they beat them. So they'll go try something else violating their own rule with the structure. And that's how you keep the control. You see what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you're just replacing blocks. Like you keep the main blocks there of the offer and then you you just go in there and you replace. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So for example, like, you know, if it's a, if it's a story discovery, maybe like a recent story, you look at the structure. So you yeah. literally go... So you print a thing out, like you print a thing out, if you still have a printer or use an iPad, right? And you literally like just draw squares, like blocks, like you say, do a little line and say credibility, story, discovery, mechanism. Do yeah. not change that structure. Keep it the same and just make it better, a lot better. Ask yourself, how can I make this better, right? So there's a lot to it, you know, we're going to get in this call, but it's like you just make that better. And then they run it and it beats it. It's very easy to beat the control, right? So it's funny because in the group, I was like, I'm going to make a post about this in um, 
the group and yeah. all the A-list copyrights are going to hate me because it's like now all their controls are going to be completely fucked, right? And, <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's, it's just going to, they're just going to keep one-upping each other. And, and I mean, it's basically doing what works. If something works, all you have to do is take it, it works and, and do it again, rinse, repeat. And that's, you know, right. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, sometimes exactly. the boringest ideas are what works. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so every time, like, you know, people try to beat the control, they try a different structure. And I'm like, dude, it, you, you don't you don't get the market structure, right? And it doesn't work. And it's like, oh, but what's interesting is like when you do that, the originating copywriter who had the control doesn't know this and they'll try completely something else. And then if they try something else that beats you, which there's like a 98% chance it won't, right? Yeah. Then all you do is look at their structure and then do the same thing again and you get the control back. So it's like this like infinite beta control model. You can you can have <laughs> as many controls the market as you want. It's so well, easy. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Well, but you've had 20 years of experience in, in this industry. I'm sure there's been one or two defining moments that have really changed, you know, the course of where you've been. And I know I'm, this is you guys, everybody's listening. I haven't given Alan any questions, so he probably might need a minute or so to think, but like, what is something that really kind of changed? Cause I mean, you, you've obviously progressed in, in different realms, but what was something that made you like, I, I, I'm a crypto person a little bit, like what gave you a fork? What, what forked you off to the next path? Like you went from, let's say, you know, writing copy, putting out your own offers to masterminds and so forth. Like what were a few of these defining moments that got you on a different path? Yeah. Well, I had this epiphany, right? Like, I, that's a good question. So like, I was thinking about this, like, uh, and I, t I shared this with a few people a while back. It's like, you know, a lot of people who are new into this and freelancers, whatever, there's a lot of like, you know, fear around doing stuff right and mostly it's about consequences right and it's like i think one of the biggest things is like just thinking about um you know the only consequences in the world really are like social consequences right if you think about it so it's like you have kim kardashian she does a sex tape mixture and she's worth billions of dollars right you have guys like andrew tate and he's going around saying things and you know a lot of people get offended a lot of people celebrate him i'm not here to judge but it's like he's going making a ton of money right yeah. And so it's like, it's like this concept of social consequences. And it's like, there's so many people out there just yelling that nobody really gives a shit. Right. So it's like, that's one. Uh, the second thing is really just like um, understanding how self-judgment works. Right. So it's like, there's a few of these, like, so I'll, I'll kind of rattle them off. So it's like self-judgment, the way it works is like, most people are afraid of judgment. Right. And so Felix Dennis in his book, the reason I read this book, um, this book right here, how to get rich is like every, uh, every year I read it and there's always like a new lesson. Cause it's like, I'm not wise enough to get every lesson in it. So mm -hmm. every year is something new. Right. And he talks about like, when you, when you, when you're, you're willing to publicly fail on your face, then that's when you'll get rich. Right. And so for me, it was like this realization of how self-judgment works. And so for example, if you're walking down the street, you know, your subconscious mind will play massive tricks on you, uh, to keep you safe. Right. And so if you're walking down the street and you see a bunch of people and you might be thinking like all these things are thinking about you, right? But what's really happening is that's what you think about yourself through your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind will pop out, go into yeah. other people and then like project there, right? And so like knowing how self-judgment works, so it's like, why are you judging others that judge you is really mm -hmm. important. And so like having that realization was um, learning that was like a huge thing that freed me uh, because it's like, that told me what things I need to work on, right? As far as the self-judgment, we all have it like very, very heavily, right? So we're all afraid of what other people think about us. And the the biggest thing is like, somebody might not like you or somebody might like, who gives a fuck, right? There's like, you know, yeah. 8 billion people on earth. It's like, find somebody else that I'm sure like, you know, a bunch will like you and an equal amount who don't like, it doesn't matter, right? So social consequences um, is a big one. And then the other one is also like, um, this concept of like, you know, the, the whole has to support the part. 
no, the, sorry, the part has to support the whole. So with direct response, um, you know, the stuff I teach is like, you know, there's a level above what I publicly teach that I don't know if I'll ever teach because it's like too, it can be used for a lot of evil. Right. And even the stuff I, you know, you know, and for even the stuff I teach now, it's like, you know, it gives people tremendous power because to affect people. Right. So in my mastermind, we had like, you know, people started like, you know, my philosophy is like, you know, we always, the, the marketing has to serve the product, right? If you don't have yeah. a product and you have good marketing, you have a scam, right? And so there was like, you know, I saw this like tonality change into like, you know, fuck the product. It doesn't matter, you know, marketing, marketing. And so I just like said, I'm like, look, I'm not supporting. If you have that, I am not, don't ask me for advice. I'm not supporting that shit. It's like, I only support things and I work on things that actually help people. But this concept that the part has to support the whole is really good, right? So it's like, I do like everything I do, um, you know, so I'm building like a platform, right? NHB platform. I was going to be like the best platform in our industry, right? Literally like the best. And so I'm investing a lot of time, energy, money, have a big team behind it. It's to support a whole, right? And if you support a whole, the support will support the part. If you look at every FTC case, uh, the part didn't support the whole. If you look at cancer, the part doesn't support the whole. It kills the whole. Try to kill. So one of those things will go, right? So typically the whole will kill the part. That's one thing. And two, three, um, as long as you can help people, you'll always make money. That's it. And to the degree that you can help people is to the degree you can, you can help yourself and it's looking to help yourself. You can always help somebody, right? Yeah. So we exist to serve each other, right? And uh, knowing that is very freeing because then it gives you like this infinite amount of uh, pathways to take to, you know, to, and the more people you can help, the more money you'll get, right? And so it's like, and then, which leads me to the fourth thing, which is, um, I don't have time for this, but it's like, you know, the concept of push marketing versus pull marketing. So like right now, like, you know, I run the biggest mastermind in our industry. We have like 600 people. Oh, wow. Right? That's huge. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty big. <laughs> but here's the crazy thing. The crazy thing is I didn't ask one person to buy. They all came there's to no, me There's no sales page either. Cause that's, that was one thing that I noticed in the group and I wanted to kind of close with. It was funny because I was like, oh, where do you actually sign up for this thing? And I was just kind of looking just cause I wanted to see what the sales page looked like. Actually, I was like, oh, what does this look like? There is actually, so guys listening, if you want to join this group, there's actually no sales page. So I'm going to challenge you. If you think, you know, you, you, you liked <laughs> listening to what Alan was saying, figure it out. That's what we're going to yeah, say. We're not going to yeah. put any legs. We're just going to tell you, figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't, I don't promote it. I don't push it. I've never sent one email to my list asking them for money. Not once. Like I've never sent like you my list, like you never got an email from me asking you for money. I never sold anybody anything ever. Yet I have the biggest mastermind industry and it's like everybody came to me, you know, and like we have some of the best people. Like we have Russell Brunson's in there. We have like the top survival guys. We have the top guitar guys in the world. You have the top biz op guys in the world. We have like some of the top health offers in the world, like, you know, top copywriters, like the copywriters who mentor and teach and other copywriting masterminds are in there learning for me. Right. So it's like, um, there's a lot of, um, you know, and, 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 and this is a concept, you know, that, you know, I call it pull marketing instead of push marketing. Right. And so a lot of direct response, um, is about push marketing, but in essence, if you really think about it, like, uh, as much as I love direct response, it's very flawed because like if it, it works on force. Right. And so this is one of those forks in the road, right. You wanted to know it's a big one. Yeah. It's damn like a highway split. It's like basically mm -hmm. like, a, you know, if you have to constantly go out and get more people to keep your cash flow going, that means ultimately people don't really want what you got. So you should go back to your product, right? So my big flip was actually like, you know, it's funny because like once you master marketing and like all this stuff, 
you kind of go, oh shit, it's all about the product, huh? And then if you look at the, you know, the world's people that get very, very rich and very, very, you know, very rich very quickly, it's like they kind of focus a lot on the product, right? Like, like if you, if you look at, so for example, like, you know, you know, Becker recently, like he sold a uh, high rose for 110 million, really proud of him. Right. That was cool. Right. Product. Right. Not, you know, he didn't go out there, you know, it's product. If you look at the guys from Jasper, like what 1.5 billion, excuse me, $1.5 billion valuation product. product right. Yeah. And and so it's like, you know, great product. And then when you apply the direct response market, it's boy, it's like rocket fuel, right? Like it's like you, you, you're, you know, king of the hill, but it's like, you know, it's like, it goes, the secret to it all is just really goes like, how can I help people get what they help them get what they want? You know, it's corny, right? It's like, you hear this in self-help books, but it's like, it's true. it takes a long, like you have to go through, like not believing it to learning everything. You're like, oh shit. Okay. You were right. And so if you look at every single product, it's all about product. Um, and then the other thing is like, would the product exist without you? Right. So, you know, about was it 12 years, like 12, 13 years ago, right? Like, you know, I, I would buy like a new car every six months, right? And at the time I bought like a really expensive car, like I bought a supercar and like I'm in front of this restaurant and I'm talking to the owners. This is like after the last recession, right? Yeah. And like, I, you know, they wanted to like sell me like, a, I think like a third or a half of the restaurant for like, I don't know how much, it wasn't much. And I was like, nah, I'll just go buy another car. So I bought another car, right? So it was funny because I was eating at this restaurant like um, um, a while back, like a few months ago, whatever. And I was thinking about, it, I'm like, who owns this place? Who owns it? And I realized, I'm like, oh shit, it's the product. It doesn't matter who owns it because the product is still good, right? And that's what, that's, so my whole thing is like, whatever I build now is like, people buy for the product because of marketing. People don't buy for the marketing, you know? So marketing I is agree. just means It's like, if you go back to the, you know, it all connects all the stuff I talk about. There's like a, you know, it's all, it's all from experience, right? Doing a lot of things wrong, trying to cheat the system in a way of like, you know, shortcuts, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, it's, you know, people buy for transformative value. And the only thing they can transform somebody into value is a product, nothing else. That's it. It's like, yeah. it's like, that's it. That's the only thing they can really buy, help somebody change their lives. Right. And so, you know, I'll leave you with this little quote. You're going to love it. Hold on a second. Where's my notes? All beliefs predict the future. This is why they control behavior. Right. And so mm. products carry beliefs in them and they also carry risk for a better future, right? And so the reason why people buy product is for a better future. And so all beliefs predict a future. This is why they control behavior, right? And so uh, limit beliefs are the best predictors of the future because they actually create a future. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's really interesting. And, and I'm happy, I'm happy that you say that because, you know, we see a lot of mastermind people, different masterminds and coaches and so forth. And they're really focusing on the how to sell things, but they're not really focusing on what is being sold. What are you selling? Like, let's, let's perfect that. Let's get that to a certain level. And, and at the end of the day, the more the world changes, I think the more the world stays the same. Cause in the end, what I'm hearing is, you know, obviously you have a good product and so forth. There's, there's almost like a goodwill. There's a, like a word of mouth almost about certain products and how many, how many things do business owners share with each other? For example, let's say you have a good software, you have a good something, or you're selling something there's, there's still, you know, uh, well, that obviously you have to get the eyeballs on there and so forth, but. But yeah. your product's shit. Well, you know, you know, you know, I you know, know like a lot of supplement companies, you know, we see this all yeah, the time. Why do they fizzle yeah, out? Because the product yeah. sucks. It, it well, doesn't work. Yeah. Supplement companies are tricky because a lot of them work on the big idea concept. And I'm just like, oh, man, because it's like, you know, it's like you're fucking with somebody's health. You know, it's kind of like it, it, it's tough, right? It's tough. Um, but it, 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 it's interesting because like for me, 
another fork in the road. And I know it's like, man, I could talk about this for hours. I love this stuff, but we'll finish it soon. But it's like, um, it, it's this idea that it's like, um, you know, it's all about retention now. It's not about acquisition so much, right? And it's like direct response has this culture of disposability, right? In terms of like uh, customers, right? Like we, you know, most direct response marketers just look at them and be like, you know, we look at customers in a quantitative, you know, through, through a lens of quantitative data instead of qualitative, right? So it's like, we're looking, we're like, you know, what's my CPA? What's my AOV? What's my LTV? We're not asking like, you know, who is this person? How can we make their lives better? You know, like, can we help their dreams come true? Do, do, are they having like a down day, you know, et cetera, right? Like, what can we do to put more care into the uh, relationship, right? And so, um, you know, and it's like retention, you know, if you look at every single company in the world like that, that, that has, you know, achieved something significant, and if you go to VCs, you know, like if you have like some business, like the number one thing they'll look at is like your historical life. They like look at retention, right? So my obsession, you know, like um, I can beat anybody in the world in acquisition, you know, but that's not where it's one. It's it's one on retention, right? So my philosophy should be um, that you retain the people that you acquire so that you don't have to go get new ones. Because it's like, you know, you, you, st- you, got, you know, you got started, I guess, in 2005 and I got started around 2002 or so, 2000. And it's like, um, you know, back then, a lot of us weren't doing this, right? It was like a very small uh, game, right? It was, it was a very lucrative game that we kept ourselves. And I took, I know I took it for granted because it's like you make an offer, you make a few million dollars and you like fuck around, do nothing, right? And it's like great, right? Like to work like most of the time. So, but just like all good things come to an end, like everybody wants in on this game, right? So like I see people from like, you know, like uh China, I see people from Africa, like Nigerian people are super smart. You know, there's people in like, you know, remote regions of Russia, like, you know, Ukraine, Poland, like people, you like, they have the same human desire, which is uh, to learn how to do this. And they're very smart, right? And they're fucking hardworking, right? And they don't have like shit to distract them, you know? And so it's like, yeah. and their cost of living is low, right? So they don't, they can just, you know, like that 2000 a month or whatever, 1000 you said earlier, you know, they can be on like $500 a month, right? And so that's one, that's the real competition, right? And so it's like the whole world wants this. And it's like, well, how do you compete, right? Well, you know, you do a lot of all the stuff that I'm talking about here, but then I think it's retention, 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 right? So- Yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest business metrics. I mean, if you've ever gone, like, you know, anybody's listening, if you've ever gone through selling a company or whatever, like one of the biggest questions is churn rate. What's the churn mm-hmm. rate? You know, what's the churn rate? It's 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 you know, it's almost as big as EBITDA or, or anything else. Like, what's the churn rate? Because if if you're you're churning out people and they're they're just kind of assembly line getting more, at one point it's going to run out. So that's why well, you, you know that's a valuable metric. Well, you know, direct response too is always like you know they'll they'll kind of it'll go and uh, you know and kind of like blame the customer or whatever. I mean, to a degree, like you know the the customers you know has a lot of choice and stuff, but it's like you should blame it on the product, right? So even for me, like. You know, I have the biggest mastermind in the world. And I told the guys, I'm like, you know, it's like, even though this is great and you guys love it. And it's like, you know, it's like at some point you're going to get tired of me fucking talking, you know? <laughs> so it's like, it has to change about, it has to change. Right. And so, you know, one, one of the things, like, if you look at, for example, Apple, right? Like, you know, when Apple, you know, launches an iPhone, whatever. Right. And they say they make like, you know, $2 billion, like $5 billion. Right. Apple, like, okay, let's spend four of that on the next version. Right. Let's make sure. And then we'll keep like one, you know, direct response is like, 
made $5 billion, I'll keep all five. <laughs> well, Innovation. The, the, yeah. Right. And well, the, the reason, the reason direct response does, you know, the reason people don't invest back in a product is because they don't believe in it. And so, you know, one of the things is like, I seen so many people like create products and like, you know, they have a good, good start, but it's like, they don't nourish it. They don't put money back. They just take all the money out and, you know, they spend all the money. And so like, I don't spend, I don't spend any money. I'm just like putting it all back in. Right. So I'm curious how many of these like investment cycles we can go to see how far it can go. Right. And that, that's what I'm talking about, like the product, like product centric world, right? So like, if you think about like, like, you know, Joe Rogan, he's, a, he has a great product. Like if you look at Patrick, Bad David, he has a great product. Like, you know, it's all, um, it's all product, but product takes work. Like, you know, marketing is fun. Marketing is like, you know, it, it's like the, the playing with stuff, but it's like products like, fuck, I gotta go create stuff, you know? Well, product takes takes uh, a lot of analysis, a lot of, you know, uh, trial and error, a lot of, you know, digging and so forth. So I, you know, I get it. It's not the funnest part of the thing is creating the product. And that's the hardest part I find, because that's, that's the question I, I hear. I see a lot in, in a lot of groups that I'm in is like, okay, yeah, I want to be an offer owner, but what do I sell? So, so the, the, the interesting thing is like, you don't have to, um, I'll, I'll tell you a story, right? So there's this, um, I saw this thing. I'll never forget. It was, um, with, um, I saw an interview with, uh, the guy, the lead singer of Aerosmith, I can't remember his name. Uh, what's his name? Steven you know? Tyler. Yeah, Steven Tyler, right? And he talks about how, like, um, you know, he finally got his house in Hawaii, right? It's like a, it wasn't expensive, like a million dollar house in Hawaii, or this was like a few years ago, like, I mean, like whenever, whenever that show ran that he was on, he was a speaker. And they were like, they were like, what the fuck? Like, like, you know, like you're one of the biggest stars. He's like, yes, but it's like, you know, if you, if you have a five band members, you know, you have the, you, you have the manager take 20%, then you have the record label, then you have taxes and, you know, it's like not much is left. Right. And then I saw an interview like a week later with David Geffen, right. He owns Geffen records. And he's like on his five, like he's, he's on his yacht with Oprah and stuff. And he's worth like 7 billion, five, $7 billion. Right. Yeah. And I go, and it's interesting because nobody, not, I mean, people know who David Geffen is by the virtue of his wealth, but they don't know anything that like, you know, he's not famous. And so it's like, you know, the lesson here is like, you don't have to create the product. Right. It's like the whole world can create a product. So like a lot of the guys that teach publishing and stuff, you know, I teach them how to do a publishing model. Like they'll go to, they literally will go to like YouTubers. They'll make a little loom video just like this on camera and like, you know, follow a script and they'll basically tell them and like, they'll publish YouTubers. They'll publish. I have one guy, um, I helped them build like a number of, uh, dating offers in the female space. And all he did was like, he went on, uh, for most of them, he went on Instagram and found the experts. And then I think for one or two, he went on YouTube. So. You know, it's like any market that you can think of, like crypto market, dating, um, sports. Uh, we, you know, we have a guy um, in in the mastermind. Like he he has like a membership in the basketball thing. I think for like Black Friday, he put like almost like four hundred people into his recurring or something like that. And like he 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 has a guy yeah. to do all the content. So it's like, you know, you don't have to create a product. You know, all you have to do is know how to sell the product and you know set up the economics and you know, you can find the world is full of people who can sell the product. But the hardest thing is um, the most valuable thing in the world today uh, is the ability to is the ability and skills to monetize traffic. And to the degree that it is, it's why like, you know, Facebook is worth Google is worth what it is. And like, if you really think about their worth, they've only monetized a very, very, very small percentage of their total traffic, very small percentage. So it's like if you can if you can turn traffic into sales, then, you know, you can find people to create the product. You can find people to do backend phones. You can find people to create membership sites. Which is why you say the best, you know, offer owners end up are, you know, are usually media buyers, right? So, uh, you yeah, know. yeah. 
yeah, media buyers always crush it because, well, yeah, media buyers crush it. And you know what else it is too? It's like I find with media buyers, a lot of them are procedural. So like I'll tell them to do something and they do it. But some people, like, for example, like, you know, there's this like, uh, like I know when we were running like a, like a program, like a few years ago, we're teaching people to do offers, people change like 10%, right? And that 10% they change is the thing that like breaks the offer, right? And so it's like knowing that, knowing what that, so earlier, a second ago, we talked about how to beat the control. It's like, it's like keep the structure, right? And so, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, but the thing is, it's like, you know, you can learn media buying in a weekend, so you can become a media buyer. Um, I think it's also, you know, I will add to something earlier in the beginning of the call, you said like, you know, not everybody's suited to be an offer owner. And I, I changed my mind slightly and I slightly agree with you to the tune that people don't know who they are. Right. And so one of the things, you know, in the group, I've had people do like personality tests, like, you know, so for example, like, you know, wealth dynamics. So I've had people take wealth dynamics or copywriters and they're like, fuck, I got to go be a media buyer. And they become media buyer. And they're like, holy shit, I love this thing. It's fucking awesome. Right. And mm -hmm. so if somebody's a mechanic, they love media buying. If they're a mechanic and they're like, oh, kill me, right? So that one, and then the other one is just like five aspects of personality, right? So there's a guy um, I shared this with. So mine goes like information, uh, you know, information, uh, place, people, activity, things, right? So that's why it's hard for me to get him out of it. But for him, people was like, people, it was like people, information, it was like people, information, activity, whatever, right? Yeah. So what he started, like, so he worked from home, right? And he was like, he just wasn't motivated, right? And then he had a client that uh, that was very cold, like wouldn't talk to him, right? Like, you know, you, you ever work with these clients they are just like, here, just give me the finished thing, go away, right? Yeah. So he just started going to coffee shops to be around people. And he's like, dude, I don't even talk to them, but it's just the energy of other people. I'm so motivated. And I was like, oh, interesting, right? So I think is a lot of it to do with has to knowing the structure. And I think a lot of us that do really well, uh, we get lucky in terms of just like the right structure and the right market. Like, you know, Warren Buffett has this thing. He's like, I'm perfectly suited for this job. And so like, for me, it's like, I am perfectly built to do this stuff. Like my, my, my personality is like a lot, like I learn and read 24 seven. Like, you know, I can sit in, like, I can sit in front of this computer for, I had a buddy, Dale came to, came over and like, you know, like I'm sitting there on a computer for like three hours. I'm just like not moving literally like a corpse. And he's going crazy. He's like, dude, can we get the fuck out of here? Like, I'm fucking going crazy. I don't know how you do that. So like we have the coffee shop, something there's like, and he's like talking to people, right? So I, I think a lot of it has to do with like, you know, getting these things done right. And then the rest of the stuff just works itself out. It's really easy if you think about it. The core personality, your core personality is is, is meant to do something like this because you're 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 an eternal student. Well, and it, anything you find that like it's interesting, right? Like anything you find that, you know, so one of the big things I've had, you know, you know, think about like low emotional state, future state, all this stuff, like, you know, it's like if you, if you spend a lot of time thinking about the past, um, that means that you lack the ability to uh, change your future. Right. So if you go in the, if you go into the market that talks a lot about the good, old, like if you look at the old, old folks, right. Like if you sell to somebody, you know, good old times, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. That psychology is people that lack the ability to change the future. Right. And so therefore, like, that's, that's how, you know, kind of like, this is the thing AI can't detect, like AI cannot know this, well, maybe in the future, I don't know, but not now, right? It'll be a while. It cannot know these underlying structures of motivation, right? So even though it can create content, it doesn't know what content to create, right? At all. So it doesn't know what content to create in the terms of like substructure amplification. So it's like, if you go, if you goes to, um, you know, like, like these things. And so a lot of people don't know how their minds work and like uh, the structure of them. And I, I think that really like uh, limits them, you know? So anytime you have to force something, 
you have to ask yourself, like, why are you forcing it? Like, why is this hard? Because my philosophy is like, everything should be easy, right? Yeah. So, so everything should I be easy. Yeah. Like everything should be easy. And like people, people think that I'm kind of, it's like, that's kind of just like a marketing phrase. It's like, no, it should be easy because it's like, when I'm hungry, I get some food. It's effortless. When I'm thirsty, I drink water. It's effortless. Right. I don't have to sit there and think about eating water or drinking. Right. So yeah. if you have to think about something uh, that that's an indicator of a uh, mental friction. And then also like, um, if something is hard, you have to ask yourself, well, what's making it hard? Like, so if you're a copywriter, want to be an offer owner, well, what's making this difficult? If you're a copywriter and not getting enough clients, what's making this difficult? You know, if you're not getting better, what's making this difficult? Like, so once you can fix that, that, then everything becomes easy. So like, everything should be easy, you know? Yeah, most most decisions are at the end of the day, it's, it's uh, you know, I like the point that you mentioned about social consequences. I think most decisions are easy and just people ha- get into their heads because of what is this person going to think or how is this going to come out or this and that. But most decisions are actually easy. It's the social consequences of them all um, that I think cause people to 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 create themselves roadblocks, you but, know, but, so. But, but what's interesting about social consequences too is like we talked about earlier, the projection of judgment. So it's like people go into, you know, like, you know, for example, like say you put on a video, whatever, right? Like this, like I get on here, I'm talking marketing, right? People to do these type of things will go and like, you know, they'll think what other people think about them. And those social consequences is basically like their own projection of social consequences. Like one of the really cool ways I actually got this trick from my buddy, Eric, uh, shout out to you, man. Great, great guy. Um, you know, it's like, he, he taught me this thing and it's like, great. So it's like, if you don't know how to make a decision about something, it's like, uh, take a coin and flip it. Right. And while it's in the air, pay attention to what you wish it would land on. And that's the right answer. And I was oh, like, oh nice. my God, that's like the best thing ever. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that's, that's one of the ways like, you know, you flip like it. That. So, so it's like, I didn't, I wanted to do something. And, uh, and, uh, I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know. And he's like, just flip the coin. It's like, Shh. and I flipped it and he's like, wait, wait, before you look at it, what did it land on? What did you watch? It was like, Hmm, gotcha. And yeah. I knew I was like so good. It was like, it was one of the greatest things ever. Yeah. But everything should be easy. Nothing should be hard. Um, nothing in nature struggles, you know, and uh, there's abundance everywhere. Like an apple tree will produce like thousand apples per season. It's very wasteful, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, that's a, that's a great, I really like that, uh, that quote. I think I'm going to use that because I, I, I feel the same way. Sometimes you, you know what you want, but you're like, you're, you're afraid to say it. So the flip of the coin that, that one second, you know, um, there is, gives there you is that. One, yeah. Yes. Go. Yeah. No, no, I was just going to say it gives you that moment because we all have that where we know, but we don't want to say <laughs> it and we can't make a decision, but you flip the coin. You're like, Oh, I want it to be tails. Cause I want it to be this. And then there you go. That's a great, uh, I'm going to use that one. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So, and use it to, like for people that can't help decide, use it. And it's really good. There's one other book I want to recommend. It's a master key system by Charles F. Hanel. That's like okay. really, really good. I read that book. Like it took me 15 years to understand it, by the way, it's a heavy book, but it's, uh, it's, oh, wow. it's it, it, that book, um, gave the birth to uh, the entire self-help industry. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think, I think uh, how to get rich was heavily influenced by that book. Yeah. Okay. By, so by, uh, we're going to write all get, these down guys. So we're going to, ha- we're going to write down the, the, the books that uh, Alan had mentioned. Um, and this was, this was a beast of a conversation. And I know that like we covered so much uh, I, and, and, you know, obviously uh, you have a lot of followers and I do want to say, that you know, obviously we open the sphere, and there's going to be people who are who who don't know you, Alan. Um, and and I'm curious to know how people are going to get 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 in the know about NHB, which is nothing held back, 
and Fast Forward, which are the two uh, mastermind groups that you host. So guys, I'm not going to give you, like I said, I'm not going to give you any any information on how how to get in there because I think um, you could just look up Alan and, and figure it out, which is how he got his first 600 well, members. So I think well, that, go, that it's working, just, right? Yeah, if anything, just go to the face. Just go to Facebook and type in uh, "nothing held back." There's like I think like right now there's like fifteen thousand members in there. So just go oh, there. Wow. We don't. Yeah, we don't. There's nothing for sale there. Um, if you want to join, you'll find your way. Um, but it's like, uh, yeah, just there's go there, explore and participate. And like, yeah, it's it's pretty good. And like, uh, we're gonna be almost ready with the NHB platform. I think then platform is gonna be really special for our industry. Like that's my gift to the industry that's given me so much. That's how I view nice. it. You know. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it as well. So definitely, uh, I, I'm I'm already in the group. So uh, the Nothing Held Back uh, Facebook group, and I see all your updates. And uh, like I said, I, I was really kind of getting entrenched in this in, in preparation of of the interview, and I was just amazed. Uh, and I thank you for your time because I'm amazed at how many random questions of random things about anything related to anything. I, I don't even know. It's just like, I was like, it's just everything. People are just asking you anything and you find an answer for them. So I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm very grateful for your time. And um, I definitely, I, you know, I'll definitely invite you again uh, if you're up for it, but yeah. um, you know, uh, I guess for everybody listening, you got a nice treat. We got a really nice uh, chunk of Alan's time. <laughs> That's good. Thank you guys. Appreciate you. Thank you so much, Alan. Have yourself a great day. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once. 